0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to The Sharpen Podcast, episode number 14. Today we have on guest Todd Earwood, and he's going to talk about starting a business in the real world and lifelong learning. So let's get started. Hey, everyone, Kirby Green here. Thanks for listening to The Sharpen Podcast. It's the podcast for young professionals. Hey, do me a favor. If you're not subscribed, uh, go ahead and uh, go in the uh, podcast app press subscribe and that way the episodes are automatically downloaded to your listening device and uh, share with a friend that you think would find value in topics and conversations for young professionals a guest today is mr todd earwood Uh, excited to have him on he and uh, i met um, as murray state university graduates and uh, student government junkies and so uh, i've been able to uh, learn from him professionally throughout the years a little bit about todd he's a serial entrepreneur uh, love that, who has built and sold companies in the software, telecom, and consulting industries. Currently, he's focusing his work on two ventures, Money Path, it's a marketing consulting firm, and HalfCourt Ventures, it's an early stage investment fund. As CEO of MoneyPath, path, he leads a team of experts to help companies um, to marry the efforts of marketing and sales to grow revenue. The average client doubles their revenue during their tenure with MoneyPath. Pretty good odds there. As a managing partner of HalfCourt Ventures, he invests capital and in artificial intelligence and software startups. HalfCourt has aggressively invested in over 30 tech companies in the last year and a half. Todd believes that you must never stop learning. He has spent more than $250,000 on himself and his team in the past three years with conferences, online education, business coaches, and seminars. The priority of learning helps him stay ahead of what's coming next and adds value to clients to identify new opportunities. While his mail arrives in Louisville, Kentucky, he has also built a strong network by spending time in Boston, San Francisco, and San Diego. He and his wife, Janelle, are the proud parents of a three-month-old baby. Here is my interview with Todd Earwood. Hey, Sharpen listeners, I uh, am very pleased, excited to welcome a friend, actually, that I have not spoken to in quite some time, Um, so this is really fun for multiple reasons, but I'd like to welcome Todd. Um, Welcome to the Sharpen podcast.
1: Thanks, Kirby. I appreciate you having me, and it's fun to be here.
0: I I connected with Todd. We are both proud Murray State alum and yet go racers. So it was really fun to connect with him when I was a college student. He was one of the many people at that phase of my life that it was really great to learn from and to hear where he was and what he was doing. Some folks that can paint that picture of the opportunities that exist. But we'll get into that today uh, just from those few conversations and from keeping up with each other. uh, Thanks to the wonderful world of social media, LinkedIn, and the list goes on. I knew I had to have Todd on the podcast at some point. Uh, to talk about starting businesses and maneuvering change that comes with those and a whole lot more. Um, You're going to hear from today that Todd is also a lifelong learner. He's kind of been in multiple spaces um, throughout his career, and uh, you know he's a young professional himself. And so I think there's a lot to learn, uh, but we'll just get started. Todd, tell us a little bit about who you are and your story and the things in life that get you fired up.
1: Sure. So... um... Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm positive. Um, yeah, as Kirby said, my name's Todd Earwood. Um, I like to say that my mail goes to Louisville, Kentucky. I spend time really in four cities, uh, San Francisco, Boston, and San Diego. And, (laughs) but my mail goes to Louisville and and we have a, a three month old baby, my wife and I do. So we are uh, at the time, spending a lot more time in Louisville, uh, but we hit the road starting next week. So uh, I love, I love Louisville. I love Kentucky. I grew up in Murray, where Murray State is. Um, but my backstory really is, you know, I, I think it's in three parts Uh, of what's kind of shaped me and, and driven me in the direction that I've pursued was, you know, first is family, but not in the sense of most people, like I'm the son of a Baptist minister. And my family was of course my the people I lived in the same house with my brothers and sisters and parents but I also had this massive church family my dad was a pastor of a large church and it's hard to quite understand unless you are a preacher's kid or as we say PK if you're a PK you know that there's like different expectations for you when you're that's right uh, I mean and you're, I always felt like when I was a kid I didn't really appreciate this I, I felt like I was being watched but really I had this whole community around me and my family was far beyond who lived in my house, uh, which ended up being a huge thing of shaping me. Um, and that kind of led to, you know, the first being family, the second being mentors. Uh, my dad when I was 15 told me I need to go get a job and I worked for an entrepreneur. And then he told me I need to go work on a farm. Both of those jobs, manual labor, by the way, I'm not in an office. And he was determined that I was going to have manual labor jobs until I was 18. And I did. And then I got to work for two more entrepreneurs. And then I got to be, you know, the whole thing with student government and the university president and the board chair. And all that was like this whole mentoring element of my life that led all the way into my first job. Um, The CEO of the state's largest hospital company went to Murray State, just like we did. And when I found that out, I called him for 43 straight days until he finally...
0: 43 straight days? I've never heard this story. Keep going.
1: Yeah. So I I found... Someone told me he was... I thought I wanted to be in healthcare and and Murray State's president at the time was really guiding me in that direction as we were looking at my future options. And he said, you need to go to a big hospital network to see if you're going to like it. And so I found out, ironically, in a Board of Regents meeting that Norton Healthcare CEO was a Murray State grad. And so I found his information. Back then I even faxed him. Email was less relevant. That shows you how long ago it's been. And uh, I called him and faxed him for 43 straight days. And then I got an email that said, you have uh, 15 minutes on Thursday at 7.30 a.m. And Murray was three and a half hours, is three and a half hours from Louisville. And I showed up, he gave me 90 minutes. And he said, I don't have an internship program but I'll create one for you. Uh, Why don't you come back (laughs) this summer? And by that point, when I came back, they had fired the COO and I literally sat in the executive suite of a 10,000 person company at 23 years old. And that's how I started my professional career. And I had these awesome executive mentors uh, until they told me I needed to leave, which leads me to my they told me I was too fast and the best statement ever was like, Todd, if you continue to stay here in this big company, you're, this this one man said, you're going to become slow and soft like us and you don't need to do that. So why don't you go buy or build a business? And that's the third piece of my story is like that led to practice. I view business as practice. I'm practicing. It's a series of problem solving and I've been practicing and practicing and practicing and learning and so I did. I, I they encouraged me. Literally, they said, "In six months, we're going to fire you if you don't buy or build a business." And I bought one, and um, that started my career. And that was the last time I've held a job, so to speak. Has been that that was uh, two thousand three.
0: Wow. Okay. So go back when you're sitting in the the e suite there, the exec suite. What what are you thinking as that twenty three year? Because there's the folks that are listening to this. I feel like everybody's. Could relate to that. What were your thoughts, and what did those, you know, what did you do about that? Because I can just imagine a little bit of fear, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of what's going on.
1: Yeah i i I was hunting, knowing that I had no discernible skills they could just go deploy. Um, because, I, I, especially on the non clinical side of a healthcare company, there's essentially these two worlds there's everybody over here practicing medicine and then there's non-clinical people. And so, um, we were in the far minority. So uh, that a helped navigate a big, big company, but B it just set it up for how can I add value? How can I, that's every day. I just try to think, how could I add value? And I just, one of the previous entrepreneurs I got to work for, trained me this way. You do not sit still. If you can't, if you're not doing something, go find something to do. And so I took that kind of training to an executive suite where I had to wear a suit every day. And I just looked for things to do. And I would do them. And I would go, hey, by the way, I looked into this. Have you seen this? And then they realized, like, holy crap, this kid, because that's what they thought I was. I was a kid. Right. Like,
0: right. Crap, you this-. were.
1: Yeah. This kid's like, he knows his computer so well. And like he can do Excel and PowerPoint. So then suddenly I'd made all the PowerPoint decks for the board meetings of a billion dollar company. And I physically went to the board meetings and sat in there because some of the executives were scared of the technology and wanted to make sure that I made sure the PowerPoint was on the right screen. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, like I I felt I wasn't really scared as much as, again, I'd worked for a bunch of entrepreneurs having been exposed to the board at Murray and how the president operated there. I had some exposure to what executives do, um, so I had kind of trial and error that led me there. I probably would have been more awestruck, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, it was such an amazing experience. Um, although I don't want to go work for another company, I'd rather just continue to work for myself. I, I, I It was so critical that I started that way looking back.
0: Exactly. Well, and, and I hear you talk about adding value in those first few days and how you were a, a part of kind of every function of the business in order to do that and finding ways that to leverage your strengths in light of maybe some other folks' fears or weaknesses where you're talking about the PowerPoint. And I love that. So I think folks that are listening can really gain from that when you're in those first few days. You feel like the kid and you're wondering, hey, what am I going to contribute right here right now? That's really good. But let's, let's talk about starting businesses, which has been, I mean, what you've done quite well. So that you you share with us a little bit about um, what that looked like in the early days, how you got there. But, you know, the young professionals that are listening to this, some are business owners, some have interest in that. I mean, what has that looked like for you? Uh, so navigating successful startups, some you've sold off. Um, what did that look like? And then maybe share with us a little bit of the ups and downs.
1: Uh well I I'm happy to do that because that's exactly what entrepreneurship is it's not a straight line and it's not whatever you think the plan is gonna be like it it's just never gonna go A B C it's going to skip around and that's part of a big part of you know when I look at it is you know <laughs> I don't know exactly why God gave me these skills. Because, as the son of a Baptist minister and a high school choir teacher who are like super awesome parents and very risk intolerant, like it was scary for their, to see their son when I told them, Look, the Norton executives want to want me to go buy or build a business. And my dad's like, They're, I mean, I, I don't mind saying they were paying me six figures as a 25 year old kid. And, and I, they go, Why would you want to leave? And I was like, well, this is what they told me I should do. And I trust them. And the girl I dated at the time, her dad pulled me aside, like literally took me to dinner and said, Son, (laughs) why are you going, you're dating my daughter and you got this great job and this great career. Like, why in the world are you going to risk this? Um, But here's the cool part. I, I don't tell this story often, but the ups and the downs started immediately. I bought a business with three other people. They ended up being crooks. And they took all the money, and they legally could, and I learned a tough, tough, tough lesson uh, day one. And so, well, not day one, because it took months for me to uncover what they were doing. Um, But it was interesting because on the very first day, when and what I learned about being a business owner was I'm the president of this company that we bought, and I'm taking over the operations of it, and on the first day... I think there were 12 employees in that company. Uh, Four people quit on the first day. And they came in and demanded raises. And the previous owner had lied to them and told them that, oh, when the new ownership gets here, you guys are all getting raises. And so these guys came in ready to know what they're going to get. They're not getting anything. There are no raises right now. I don't even know you people. You know, I've barely gotten to know you. And, And literally the first day, four people walked out. And so you want to talk about ups and downs? Like I was scared. I thought, man, I've made the wrong decision. I had my dad and my girlfriend's dad was right. i should have sure just stayed at Norton. Um, and then that taught me like to climb out of it. I mean, I wasn't getting paid the same amount then as an entrepreneur, your income adjusts a lot. It fluctuates. Right. So, I mean, that's a big thing that even when I started dating my wife that I had to educate her on, I was like, you do understand that like, when, depending upon your business, but definitely in a smaller business, your income is going to be, is, is very rarely, if ever, going to be the same month to month. It's just not. Right. Cash flow, right. when people pay you, new customers, old customers, whatever, it just adjusts. And so you have to be incredibly adaptable. So the ups and downs are, I got kind of kicked into the deep end of the pool On my very first day of owning a business. Um, And then months later, of course, I I felt like someone was standing on top of my head in the deep end of the pool. Um, But look, it all shaped me into this person that now is more resilient, now can handle strange, stressful situations.
0: Exactly. And I I think that by highlighting some of the Hey, this was a down in life, but you got to take something from it. You got to glean something from it because that's exactly um, I mean, you have a couple of options you can, you know, check out and not ever face risk again or you can learn something from it. And that that would lead to my next question. So you're someone that has. Stood in the, I guess, in the, in the, have looked risk into the face and have decided to pursue. I mean, you kind of alluded to this talking about your background. So when it comes to assessing risk, I mean, what are some of the practicals there uh, for someone that has taken a look at probably a lot of different businesses and has said yes and has said no and has said maybe? I mean, what would you say are some of those practical tips and insights you'd offer today?
1: Um, think of. So first of all, I should say I hate science. It's my least favorite subject. Uh, one of my large, larger clients today is um, as a science-based technology, and I just don't. I'm, I just have little interest. That said, the one thing that I've learned about starting a business and ass- assessing risk is a, a initial business or even a small business is nothing more than a series. of of forming hypotheses you say my thesis is in my town there's a gap for a yoga studio and my town would support it if i started a yoga studio that's a thesis and you build out that i literally write my hypothesis down and say i believe because of the gap and there's no there's no available yoga studio for the record, I don't run a. I do not do yoga. I was no, curious. Nor do I own a yoga studio. Um, <laughs> but like, if, hey, right, maybe, maybe, right? Like, I'd pay someone else to run that. I wouldn't do that. But yeah, sure. Um, so I, I think, I think if you write out the hypothesis, like literally write it down and say, now what experiment should I run before I go lease space? Before I take the first step? Before I call on a bank? and say, I need a loan to get started. None of that. Like the very first thing is, what can I go do? So in the startup world, they're going to call that customer validation. So the very first thing you're going to do is validate with customers. Now you need to go ask a lot of people and it can't be your friends and family, unless you have the most large friends and family in your service area that you're going to be having as customers. It's not that's typically a false signal because the people around you are going to tell you it sounds great. Yeah, I'd love to come. I'd love to come do yoga five days a week. And and the reality is right. they want to be supportive, but we need to ask strangers. We need to get in front of them. We need to go knock on doors, get out of our homes, talk to people and say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I go talk to other business owners still today. I seek out knowledge every day. Like, I'm not the smartest about every single thing. There's certain things I'm really good at, and the rest I'm just going to go find somebody who's great. I'm either going to ask them for advice or possibly pay them for that. So I, you know, I would go ask a gym owner. Hey, I'm thinking about opening a yoga studio. Have anybody in your gym ever said they wish you offered yoga classes? Like those are the kind of things that you validate very quickly. And if the person says no, and you go, oh, okay, cool. Well, great. And then now go to the next place. But that's how. I would get started and I didn't do that at first, but I got trained later by people who've built and scaled uh, real companies is it's it's just a series of tests, run another experiment, run another experiment. You're just, you have all these assumptions you're making. and You've got to prove them to be true or false.
0: That's good. You know, I think in the world of Shark Tank, uh, so I DVR Shark Tank. I love it. I love to check out some products. Yeah, it's super cool. But I think these are the things that are behind the scenes that uh, doesn't come into that, you know, 30-second story of the business, how it got started. What would be some of those other things that you would share? You know, you take the the person that's at home and watching Shark Tank and thinking, I want to do that. I just watch their... Minute and a half segment, and um, I just watched their pitch. I mean, can it be that hard? What would you say? Um, and, and maybe to add on to that for a little clarity, I mean, what's um, what's kind of been like the the toughest lesson? But what have you learned from that? That's that's made you a better business owner.
1: Yeah. So not everybody. I, I'll kind of answer this in two ways. First of all, not everybody ever needs an investor, and sometimes if you if you truly watch Shark Tank, you've seen this. People. Damon John's very, he does this more than probably the others. You earn Mark Cuban too, though. You you don't need, you don't need investor money. What are you doing here? Because you've got a business and it's working and just go do it. And sure, you might accelerate faster, but the first thing I'll just say is you don't always need money. You think you might want it, but you don't always need money. Second thing is I'm actually coaching a company who's going to be on Shark Tank this fall. And I've been, can you
0: tell us? Sure, yeah, sure,
1: yeah, I can. Uh, Um, I don't know when it's going to air, but the Run Experience is the name of the business, and it's uh, two friends of mine, and they don't watch Shark Tank, but they're smart enough to know that Shark Tank will give them visibility, and their business, a a capital infusion, would probably make it accelerate. So I have a real-life example because I've been talking to these guys about, okay, when they showed me, kind of, they walked me through, here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to, because it's an audition process. And we make a video and then you go live in person. And then later you go screen again and then you do the taping. And so, what I learned about that, that I coached them on is number one, put your best number first. So, for them, it's we are the largest YouTube channel for runners, we're gaining 1,200 people a month. And we'll be at 200,000 by X days. Oh, by the way, we've had 50,000 paying customers. That's great. Numbers sell. So they used to say, oh, hey, I'm Craig and Nate, and we do this thing with running, and it's awesome, and we love it, and I'm a runner, and he's a runner. And I was like, cool, man, like, stop that nonsense and get to the best thing. Yep. Right. And that's like the positive, that's like the, (laughs) the, the, best way to do it. The worst way to do it, I've seen people kind of bury their best point unintentionally, of course, but I'll never forget this entrepreneur was in a room pitching investors. This is before Shark Tank, but it's kind of like it thinking of it out loud now. And this guy said, I got this thing and it's quite esoteric and it's kind of weird. And He's walking through it and it's going to do this and I could be this. And here's what my, here's my progress so far. So he started to say something good, but he, he was 10 minutes into the presentation. And then towards the end, he says, and this is not my first rodeo. Um, I sold my last business and my investors got a 52 X return and the whole room sat up like the room was not that interested in what he was saying. Cause it was a little bit different but the moment he had the credibility of oh i gave some people a 52 extra turn i the room i mean i did i wasn't even investing at the time i set up and i was like my gosh this guy's good i didn't think that before that so don't bury the best part show the traction up first um like put that the and preferably numeric if you can numbers sell numbers 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 you got to use the numbers
0: that's good that's good hey i um I kind of want to shift gears here okay. because I know I know this to be true of you and it, it relates to being a business owner and the, the path that you have uh, pursued and, you know, your experiences. So you are a lifelong learner. I mean, we've shared that in your bio, you are committed to learning for you and your people. So what ignited this for you? I mean, was there one moment that you were like, Nope, this, this is why it matters. This is why it makes a difference in the bottom line, right? It, it's it's a money thing. Uh, And then a second question for you. I mean, what's been the most fruitful learning experience that you have, whether it's been a book or a conference? But just kind of curious about about that.
1: Okay. I yeah. So look, I've I don't when it's it probably shifted for me uh, four years ago uh, when I started my current business, Money Path, I, and and I started realizing that I had been so narrowly focused on my previous business that I was in my industry and I kind of kept my head down and I didn't go network anymore and I didn't um, go seek out learning outside the scope of my narrow industry. And then when I got out of that and I was encouraged by some investors in my last company, they suggested that I go help other companies that are typically not startup that are further along what get from kind of point three to point four or five, not point one to two, and so I reluctantly agreed to do that. And quickly I saw, wow, one of the ways I need to stay ahead, despite I've I've always been a reader. I have like a checklist of things I do every day of my life, and reading is one of my twelve every day. I always read every single day, and I really could make that bucket just learning because sometimes now it's audio instead of reading a book, but same, I'm learning. It's really, the goal is to learn. So the impetus was, or the trigger was, I want to stay ahead. I, my clients are paying me for my expertise and I will be more valuable to them if I go learn the things, because most people are narrowly focused on their little world and my, I will add more value and therefore I will have more success if I did that. So that was kind of the impetus as to why, but I've been, look, I've been attending seminars and conferences, um, and reading books, you know, when I way back when, um, in 1999, when I started to work for the CEO Norton, he was what I would call a disciple of this famous old, um, business book author named Tom Peters. And Tom at the time, he had sold more business books than anybody in the eighties and early nineties. And so he wasn't as popular at that moment, but I'd already been I'd already read five Tom Peters books. And I found out he was coming to Louisville and they bought me a ticket to his conference. I was just crazy enough to email Tom Peters and say, Hey, you should go to lunch with me while you're here. And then I cited different parts of his five books on why he should do it. And his PR (laughs) his PR he did it. His PR person emailed back and said, Mr. Peters really appreciates what you did. Um, He, unfortunately, has uh, the sponsor of the day's conference in Louisville uh, gets lunch with him, but he would like you to be his personal guest at their lunch. And so I did. Cool. And so look, like, so I've always been there, right? I've always been that seeking out learning. Um, Same thing happened with Max Lucado. I read one of his books. It resonated with me. I just called him. And I was like, hey, Max, this is Todd Earwood. You don't know me, but I read your book. And I want to tell you that it was like at the right moment of my life. I needed it. And I just want to say thank you. And it's awesome that you've been given these gifts and you're using them so well. And guys like me get to benefit. You don't have to call me back. Uh, but I just want to say thanks. And they, and they, they called back. And so... <laughs> I just think, cool. yeah, like I'm, I've am i always been seeking learning. I just made it a big part of what I do in this business. Um, but I think it was ingrained in me a long, long time ago because even at Norton, they were, you know, you know, go do this. And I went to sales training and they wanted me to get certified in this. And some of that's just big court methodology for how that how they do professional development. But part of it is just like, I always love to learn new things. And I don't think... That will ever stop. Um, you asked me what's the best ever.
0: Mm-hmm, best ever. Best book. Best conference. Best audio. That one's tough.
1: It is. Like I. Oh, man. I try to read three books a month. So I've got a. My wife gets mad because I have books everywhere. Um, and le- even with audio. Well, less so now. But like okay. she made me take a couple hundred books away from our house and take them to my office. So, um, (laughs) anyways, um, I don't think it's going to be a book. I mean, I I can't pinpoint a book that's directed me the best. I mean, I'll tell you a couple highlights recently is I went to a conference in San Diego in 2013 and it was the first time I'd seen what, They call selling from the stage looks like it was not motivational speaking. It was a sales pitch wrapped in this package of education at the end of every, I'd never seen anything like it at the end of the session. They would say, uh, I hope you guys learned a lot from today. If you're interested in learning more at the back of the room, there's a table of people will take your order today only. I got this special and it was mind blowing because there's this thing they call table rush. Have you ever heard of this?
0: Uh, No, keep going.
1: Okay, so there's a...
0: I'm writing it down. (laughs) The
1: the table rush is when you're selling from the stage and you're saying you've educated them because you don't lead with the sale, you lead with the education. At the end, you say, I've got an offer. And this offer is only for today. You can't call me next week and get it. You got to go to the back room, put your credit card down, and we'll give it to you, whatever the offer is. And the rush is getting the goal of that person presenting at this type of conference is to get the people out of their chairs while he's still talking to go rush the table to get it because they always do things like um, the first 15 people who go back there are going to get the extra blank. And it makes people get up and run. It, like physically run. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So right. it wasn't probably the best by any means. And today, a lot of times I get turned off by that, but it was the most shocking thing I'd ever seen. Like, but the lesson I took away was this. No one wants to be sold, but everybody wants to buy. And so if you wrap that in education and do it in a genuine, not deceptive way, then you actually have a great chance of selling more. But it needs to be wrapped in the package and presented as education. You don't have to have the hardcore sale at the end. But that was a fascinating, one of the most fascinating things I'd ever done at a conference. Um, Again, I don't think it's something that I would want to attend every month or year. Um, And then two years ago, I went to Tony Robbins. And I paid a really big amount of money to be in the first 15 rows of 5,000 people. And that was great that? mm-hmm. Yeah, look, yeah. I don't the way I look at learning is I'm looking read a book. I'm looking for that nugget. I'm listening to a podcast. I want that one nugget I can go test. I can go try, I can go okay. practice with. And so Tony Robbins just dumped a bunch of nuggets on my face and he did it in an entertaining and very high energy way over three or four days in a room that he kept at 55 degrees. Most people were wearing coats and gloves. And he does it on purpose. Every single thing ever is not only scripted but purposeful. The colors, the music, the organization of the room—it was unbelievable. And so, whether you think he's kind of hokey or you think he's awesome, I think there's a lot to take away from what he does uh, because it—it it, it surprised me as a person who's sometimes, um, you know, leery of those things. I—it I, was awesome.
0: Cool. Check Check it out folks. And uh, I want to go back to something you said though, Todd, where you talk about when, and I don't know about you. I hear people that I'm not in sales and I have no interest (laughs) in sales and that whole, everyone's in sales. And I love your point of wrapping that in education. And that way the experience is not being sold to, but people are buying and they're buying an experience and education on that. So that's one thing I wanted to highlight today for, for folks that are listening. Um, and, To your point about learning and staying ahead, um, there's a really cool episode where Doug Wilson came on and he talked about pursuing orthogonal experiences and accessing the frameworks of other people outside of the industry or even specifically the walls that we go to and how that can give us an edge and a leg up in the workforce. So check that one out, folks. Um, it's really, it kind of just really piggybacks off of some of your points today. So I, uh, I hate to cut our time short. Yeah, um, this has been good. There's been a lot of nuggets, to your point, mm-hmm. when you are listening to something to take away. Um, if you've listened to the podcast before, we always like to get to know our guests um, and we ask them uh, two questions every time. So first of all, we want to give you the opportunity to make a shout out it can be professional or personal but uh the floor is yours to make a shout out today
1: Mm, thank you um you know i don't i don't really have anything to promote there's nothing i need to sell to anybody um if you want to see like i think video and audio non-text deliverables mediums right are so hot like go check out the run experience on youtube and you're going to see some guys lead with education in such an awesome way that I'm a believer that everybody has that inner knowledge that of some, maybe it's something small, maybe it's some bit, something big that serves a lot of people, but everyone has expertise and you should be sharing it. And Craig and Nate do such an amazing job with their team now. Uh, on YouTube. So I don't have, I'll I'll do a shout out to the Run Experience on runexperience.com. They're on Facebook. They got 100,000 fans. They got a bazillion everything. It's really cool to see them. I mean, look, I knew when these guys, I went to Tony Robbins with them. I knew these guys kind of before it took off and it's awesome to see where they are today.
0: Cool. Hey, we'll put them in show notes too. So if you're listening now and you want to go back, uh, that will be in show notes, the link there. So, Awesome. We uh, I'm I'm pumped to see them on Shark Tank too now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, another question for you. Kind of maybe answered this already, but we'll give you opportunity. We always like to find out a game changer, so it can be a conversation, a food item, um, in uh, an article that you read. But what has been something lately that's been a game changer for you, um, that shifted your path in another direction?
1: It needs to be recent.
0: Actually, we can take the recent label off.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. I, the biggest moment in my career was shaped by when I was at Norton Healthcare and I'm sitting in the executive suite and I literally went to the executive meetings and nothing to say other than I wrote down all the acronyms and the kind of on, on my notepad because I had no idea what they were talking about and I had to go Google them. And I we, I was in a meeting and again scared didn't think I could add much value in regards to commentary but then they started talking about marketing and I liked marketing and I was interested in marketing and they started talking about the budgets of marketing and the shift for me was I raised my hand and I said you know it's interesting you guys I mean they were shocked that I was talking they said it's interesting you guys keep talking about your brand and your you know 15 million dollar tv spend and it's cool I think the TV ads are cool and the billboards and everything else you do. But this whole internet thing I'm telling you is going to take off and we should really be, you know, for what it's worth, your website, the word I used was sucky. Your website is sucky. And the CEO who is the most even killed, nice guy was not so happy with me saying that. Of course not. And the lesson he gave me there was like, Todd, you do not come to the table with problems, unless you're ready to offer a solution. And I was like, okay. So I feel like now I feel compelled to say a solution. So I tell them, okay, fine. I will rebuild your website myself in two weeks and show you it can be better. You have to take every project off my plate and cancel my meetings. And they look shocked and I was shocked. I said it and I didn't sleep for two weeks. But two weeks later, I was in charge of a new department that did not exist, and later we built that into a six-figure revenue stream for a big company. Um, so the lesson there is: a, speak up, but b, you better have. That's the advice, right? Like you better have a solution. Bring it up.
0: Yep, very good, very good. Because then otherwise it could be perceived as a, a complaint, yeah, um, inactivity. But that's that's awesome, and that's a great story to share today. Awesome. Well. Yeah, Todd, I want to thank you for making time for this, for coming on the Sharpen podcast. Um, really appreciate your story, and what you share with us, what you've learned. Um, and I think that there's a lot of young professionals that um, are business owners themselves or man, they have that wiring. They've got they've got the bug, if you want to call it that. And they we have learned from what you've experienced. And uh, so thanks for your time.
1: Thank you very much. Kirby, it's good to be here. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.